It is that time in the show and in the week where we meet up with our friends over at Black Locks Reporter because they do a lot of the digging that uh, yields a lot of very interesting nuggets that don't often get the attention, but they sure should because they are the stories that matter. And of course, joining us now is the main digger, Tom Korski, managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter. Good to have you, sir. Thanks, Alex. I thought this was interesting. It didn't get any attention on uh, Friday, but mandating vaccines is not actually recommended uh, by Public Health of Canada. And this was said by the Deputy Chief Epidemiologist, Dr. Howard New, who said on Friday that um, this should be voluntary. They don't agree with forcing anybody to do this. Um, they also criticize mask man- mandates as needless and that, yeah, people should be encouraged. But no, I think his takeaway message, which of course doesn't get much attention, is that people can do this, but they shouldn't be forced volunteered uh, the uh, remarks isn't it strange and wonderful Alex like the old country doctor Howard knew as you mentioned a, a deputy chief at the public health agency for the whole federation saying in a down home friendly way that Canadians are reasonable people and if you give them the guide and you lay out the facts sure go home talk it over think about it it's your choice I think you'll do the right thing, but either way, that's up to you. No naming and shaming, no hate speech, no saying I'm going to threaten you with your job or access to public services, your apartment, or whether you can step on a flight, and we're not going to call you filthy names in public like some public office holders do. Howard, no. God bless him. And uh, Neil has said this once before. What was striking on Friday, though, was this was, uh, Neil was not grilled on this point. He heard reporters going back and forth talking about mandates at a press briefing. And he said, speaking of mandates, we don't really go for that. You, you just talk to people in a down-home, neighborly, warm and friendly way, and everyone is rational and loves their country. Wasn't that refreshing, Alex? When is the last time you heard that? (laughs) Well, not since the pandemic uh, started, because it's been politicized so, I think, recklessly by those, um, you know, in politics. But, you know, if this is not a mandate of the public health, I mean, we're always told that the decisions made by the politicians are all data driven. It's all about making sure that this is about safety. Um, but here's like the the guy leading public health saying, no, 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 we, we don't do this. I mean, so clearly this isn't data driven. It never was. It's about politics. And this issue itself has become very, very politicized and weaponized. hundred percent. And, and, uh... As you and I have talked about in the past, and it, it, it remains a rhetorical question, how do you ever put that genie back in the bottle? You know, when you have people, let's be just frank for a moment, Alex. Before the pandemic, you know, people believe in some of the platitudes you hear from your leaders and various political party chieftains, and they will talk about we're all Canadian, we're all, you know, July the 1st, the flag, etc. For the first time, there would be millions and millions of people. There's millions of people who are not fully vaccinated but eligible, and they will not vaccinate their children. And they were told for the first time that you are less than a citizen. You're a problem. You're a problem citizen. You're, you're a bad Canadian. And we're going to make life difficult enough for you so that you squeal. And you're going to take it and you're going to like it. That came right from the top. It was never about science, Alex. It was 100% about politics. This pandemic will end. What do you suppose those 6 million people are going to think once it does end? Will they rem- remember how they were viewed for the first time 
as they saw it, by their federal government. I think that's the sort of thing you remember for a long, long time. Yeah, and also, you know, it's why we're seeing these massive protests and, um, you know, convoys. I mean, people, it's not even about vaccines anymore. People are just fed up with the politicians playing games with this. And and that's, the the pandemic will end, I think. The anger will not. And and shame on all of them for, for doing this. Um, and then you get into this story about uh, Labor Minister Seamus O'Regan's comments, and he was talking about paid sick days for the private sector. But then he said, you know, the private sector should not be too de- generous to avoid abuse by workers. And then he kind of pointed out people like truck drivers will take advantage of automatic benefits such as the 10 days. Uh, <laughs> I don't think the private sector should be told what it has to give for sick days or not. Having said that, why would he point out a, a one particular sector when it, it's all the private sector that this policy of, of sick days would affect? And with due respect to the minister, a guy who doesn't know a lot about trucking, this was uh, in the a letter to a senator from Nunavut, Dennis Patterson. Uh, the cabinet introduced a bill that was passed by parliament just before Christmas, mandated 10 sick days a year in the federally regulated private sector that includes interprovincial trucking companies. That's fine. Uh, no one thinks that uh, it, it's, it'll do much, to tell you the truth. vast majority of federally regulated private sector workers already have collective agreements that are more generous than 10 sick days. That wasn't the point. Uh, in speeches, in committee testimony, Minister O'Regan would make remarks about the pandemic and the helping hand coming down from Ottawa would bring tears to your eyes. It would make Jesus weep. It was that beautiful. Except in his letter to Dennis Patterson. And in his letter to Senator Patterson, he says, "We got. We, why did we not make this an automatic benefit at the start of each calendar year? In fact, you have to accrue the benefits. It takes 10 months to get your 10 sick days. The reason was they presented this bizarre scenario by the Labor Department that truck drivers would be resigning, going to another interprovincial trucking company, taking their 10 sick days, resigning, going to another. It was just sort of this sort of fanciful. Yeah. So uh, that's how they see the private sector. And, of course, uh, those are benefits far, far less generous than those enjoyed by people like Labor Minister, Minister O'Regan. And that's that's how we roll, Alex. That's how we roll. Can you explain to me, you know, maybe I'm missing something here, but we spent $82,000 to send um, rappers and hip-hop dancers and African drummers to Nunavut? To, That'll to study be for Black History uh, Month. Can you... for, yeah, for Black History Month coming up, yeah. it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> and there's the, the least black place in Canada is none of it. Literally, they they, they count a hundred black people in this territory. What uh, three size? Uh, three times the size of France. I and I think a hundred maybe uh, a rounding error. I think that's I think that's generous. I do. I can't explain it. People often wonder. They say, why does Ottawa waste money? Why do federal managers throw money away? Don't they see? Don't they know? Of course they, they can. Do. Part of it is because they can. That's exactly right. But it's also that's how they keep score. The more every time you point, it's not about outcomes because that's hard, Alex. Then you're it's success mm. and failure, win or lose. When everyone's a winner, you keep score by looking at how much money you spend. Every time you point out a spectacular failure. 
Name one. Uh, why are First Nations COVID death rates the highest in the country? Look at all the money we spend. Why would there be systemic racism? The prime minister says it. Well, look at all the money we spent. We flew African drummers and, and, and hip-hop dancers to a Callaway. That's how they keep score. Of course, it's self-serving and really, really expensive, but that's why they do it. Yeah, and of course, when you ask questions about it, they just tell you, we will not discuss this with you. So you've been blacklisted by the heritage minister? <laughs> Is there anyone you haven't been blacklisted by? I know, I know. And, and, and it's only the start of the new year. <laughs> yeah. By the way, i got to ask you about uh, the CH. So apparently the CMHC uh, never actually meant to commission $250,000 worth of uh, no. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of research on home equity tax. Like apparently, they have no. They didn't mean to do it. They weren't looking into it. They're not planning to tax the equity of our house. Uh, so, like, they did ask for this money, or they didn't. Like, I don't know what the story is here, but they, obviously know. they're backtracking. I know it's, it. It was awkward. This was uh, Romy Bauer, CEO of the uh, Federal Mortgage Insurer, speaking in the Finance Committee. Shocked, shocked. She said, "Never <laughs> did we imagine when we commissioned people who were in favor of a home equity tax that they would come up with a report uh, advocating a home equity tax." This was that was crazy. Unfortunately for CEO Bowers, on the record is her predecessor, who not only arranged for the study, that was Evan Settle now retired, he doesn't work in town anymore, but mm. he had uh, intimate emails and podcast conversations with the researchers at the University of British Columbia who came up with this scheme. It was all about taxing equity. There was no mistake. This was why they commissioned this study. Uh, that, that is recommendation, uh, $6 billion a year tax, dead on arrival. It, but, and yet it never does die. As we did. You, You've said before, Alex, this is like the zombie tax proposal. It doesn't matter how many times you, you put it out of its misery, it always seems to come back, and Ottawa never stops talking about it. So they can commission it and study it and deny it and repeat over and over. Yeah. And then one day it just appears and it's like, what? Huh? Yeah. All right, Tom, you could uh, give me lots more, but I'm out of time. But I very much appreciate it. And we uh, will chat My Wednesday. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, Alex. That is Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. He is not blacklisted on this show. That is for sure. But, of course, subscription-based all worth every cent and if you can't do that you can visit with us monday and, for, and wednesday because we chat with tom at nine o'clock i'm alex pierce and this is on point